Praise the Lord. Welcome to the Lively Stone Temple Experience. Welcome to the Lively Stone Temple Experience. We are one church in four locations. Please visit LivelyStoneTemple.org for additional information. This message was recorded on March the 20th, 2022. The Word of God is being brought forth by Elder Joseph Lee Taylor Jr. Now let's follow along in our Bibles. I call your attention to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, and we'll start at verse 12. I call your attention there. I bless God for healing my body. I was in the emergency room all last night, and I bless God for healing my body. Deacon Dobie, you know Jesus is still a healer? Yeah, I know that. He is Sister Mary. He hadn't stopped. He ain't. He don't need to take a break so he can go get go to healing classes to make sure that he's still current on all the healing methods. He knows it all. Amen. Hebrews chapter nine and verse twelve. When you're there, please say Amen. 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 Now, we're gonna go ahead and start. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, talking about Jesus, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience? from dead works to serve the living God. He did, he, he, he did this now. I want to hit verse 14 right again. The Bible says he did that. How did he offer himself without spot to God? Through the eternal spirit. The, the righteousness that God desires for us, you know, we cannot achieve it without the Holy Spirit. Cannot achieve it without the Holy Ghost. And for this cause, verse 15, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, talking about that old covenant, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. We're talking about a will here, a valid will. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. How many of you know everything we do in here is we, we deal with sanctified stuff. We deal with stuff that is our instruments and, and our drums and our keyboards and our guitars, they're set aside to the Lord. We can't play any and every song on our instruments. Amen? Because they are set aside to the Lord. Verse 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, 
is no remission. Let's all read verse 22 together, please. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. With the help of the Lord to this morning, I want to minister to you all this morning from the thought, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Join me in a word of prayer, Father, in the name of Jesus, God. Mm, thank you, God. We have entered into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. We have been thankful unto you, God, and we are here to bless your name. For as a Sunday school lesson taught us that you're great and greatly to be praised, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. For you are good and your mercy is everlasting and your truth endureth to all generations, God. God, we ask you at this moment to forgive us for anything we've done that's not been pleasing to you, for all thoughts that have not aligned with your will, for all words said, for all actions that we've taken, God, that has not been pleasing unto you. And we ask you, I even ask me, God, to create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me, God, and all of us, dear Lord, so that we may be able to offer up unto you a more perfect praise and a more mature praise, God. God, I thank you for every song that's been sang in here on this morning. I thank you for everyone that's made the sacrifice to be here this morning, God. Whoever's on their way, dear Lord, God, let them get here safely, Lord, so they can hear a word about the blood, God, and about what your blood has done, God, and what your blood has accomplished and what your blood has bought for us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I ask you, God, to put a special anointing upon this ministry even the more, God. God, anoint everyone, dear Lord, God. God, let their ministries come forth in the name of Jesus, but open their ears this morning that they might hear. Open their eyes that they might see, God. Strengthen their hands to hold on and soften their hearts to receive what you have to say for them, to them this morning, God. I know within my heart of all hearts, God, that there is a word for your people in here this morning to encourage them and to strengthen them and to keep them going, God, and to invest in you even the more, God. God, whatever someone stands in need of this morning, God, you said that you're able to supply all of our need according to your riches and glory, God. We know that healing is still in your church. We know that salvation is still in your church. We know that deliverance is still in your church, God. You have not left us. You have not abandoned us for your word declares that, lo, I'm with you always, God. God, you've been with us thus far. Now be with the preacher, God. Be, anoint me, God. I pray for your anointing as I preach, God. I pray for your anointing as I break down the word of God. I pray for your anointing as I walk through each verse and look at each note, God, and and as, I, and as I begin to open up my mouth, God, I want you to use my tongue as the pen of a ready writer, God. And you write on the hearts of the people the message that you have for them to receive, God. Jesus, don't leave no stone unturned in here this morning, God. God, throw your weight around among us, God. Get big in here, Jesus, for we need you, God. Everything that's trying, the adversary is trying to rise up among us, God. We say right now that no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper, God. And every tongue that rises up against us Jesus you're going to condemn it in the judgment hallelujah Lord in the name of Jesus God so everyone dear Lord God I'm asking you dear Lord to stand up strong in people and restore unto them the joy of your salvation once more Lord this we ask in Jesus name we pray amen 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 nothing but the blood nothing but the blood hallelujah saints what 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 are we without the blood 
What, what, what are we? The, the answer is real simple. Can I say what we are without the blood? Lost. Can I say what we are without the blood? Nothing. Can I say what we are without the blood? Slaves in bondage to sin. Can I say what we are without the blood? We are not redeemed. Can I say what we are without the blood? We are susceptible to all the chicaneries and the fiery darts of the wicked one, the adversary. And, and we are condemned in the eyes of God, but for the blood. The curse that is upon us is the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. And the Bible also says in John chapter 3 that, that, that this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world, but men love what? Darkness. Because their deeds are evil. Right? And he will also go on to say that it, 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 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For the son of man, the son of God came not into the world to, content, to condemn the world, but that, 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 that the world through him might be saved. But he will also go on to say that he that does not believe in him, he's what? Condemned already. Because he does not believe in the only begotten son of God. If you, if, if you don't believe, you're condemned already. And what has lifted up that curse of condemnation is nothing but the blood. Amen. Can we just go ahead and right there for about the next 10 seconds, 5 to 10 seconds, and just praise God for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. God, we thank you for the blood that heals. We thank you for the blood that covers. We thank you for the blood that saves. We thank you for the blood that buys. We thank you for the blood that keeps. Dear Lord, in the name of Jesus. We can never, we, can, we can't, Deacon Zimmerman, we can't talk about the blood too much. You can, you know, Jesus is the only thing that I believe you really can't overdo. You know, you, you can't praise him too much. You can't worship him too much and you can't talk about his blood too much. You know, he wants you to talk about this thing. I, 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 a quote that I found, it says that the, the blood of Jesus provides the only solution to my greatest problem. And that problem is I was born into a fallen world resigned to participate in a degenerate existence with no hope of recovery. That is our position. That is our plight and predicament without the blood. We are dealing with the only solution versus our greatest problem. The only solution versus our greatest problem. And our greatest problem outside of salvation, outside of the ark of safety, is the problem, is the sin problem. Amen. How many of you know that sin is a problem? And if you try to, and let me help you out right now, if you try to tackle sin without the blood, if you try to tackle sin without salvation, you will lose every time. You will find yourself weighed and measured and you will come up wanting every single time without the Holy Ghost, without the work, the efficacious work of Calvary, without the shed blood of Jesus. You are no match for the devil. You are no match at all. You cannot withstand his mind games without the blood. Amen. You cannot withstand the foolishness and, and because, because the devil will offer your flesh stuff 
that it really, really enjoys. Amen. You can't be tempted apart from something with something you don't want. You know, I don't like banana pudding. I think it's nasty. It just it just tastes weird. It ain't good to me. But can't nobody walk to me and put a whole dish of banana pudding in front of my face and be like, here you go, elder. Here you go. You're wasting your time because it's not something I what? Want. And the devil is not going to tempt you apart from something that you want. And how many of you know the devil knows exactly what it is you want? And, and the only reason now you can resist the thing that your flesh wants so much is because of what Jesus did on Calvary. He takes the power that he uh, got up out of the grave with and makes that power readily available unto all of us. But none of this happens if he does not shed his what? Blood. To help us deal with our greatest problem. All of our problems that we face in this world is an outgrowth of the introduction of sin into the world. Amen. The Bible lets us know in Romans chapter 5, I believe around verse 12, where it says, By one man that sin enter into the world, and that by that one man, death passed unto everybody, wherefore all have sinned. We were sold into sin, and something has to come along that has more, uh, how can I say, monetary value to it that can buy us out of sin. Amen. And Peter would let us know that we were not redeemed or bought back by things, by corruptible things like silver and gold. But we were redeemed with the precious blood of a spotless lamb. That is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no chemical fluid, no substance that has ever touched this earth, no silver, uh, no matter how much you have is worth more and more valuable than the blood of Jesus. And no gold is more valuable than the blood of Jesus. And no currency is more valuable than the blood of Jesus because there's never been, there's never been, there's never been a type of currency created by man that would enable you to buy even one soul. But Jesus bought more than one he bought every single one of them. I believe that uh, I heard a quote say somewhere uh, um, that um, the cost of one soul, just buying one soul, would bankrupt the entire world. And Jesus bought every single soul that ever existed. And how did he do it? With his what? With his blood. Hallelujah. Are you beginning to grasp exactly how valuable that blood is? I was told in law school that property is not the thing, but property is the interest in the thing. Uh, how bad are you interested in buying the thing determines the greatness and the actuality of your property value in that thing. You know how much your car wanted, you wanted it, so you paid for it. And when we look at us, when we look at the saints we have to ask ourselves how valuable does God believe that I am because he declared us to be his property because the Bible says Paul asked the church at Corinth one time he said what don't you know that you are not your own you have been bought with the what with the price and what is that price saints it is the blood of Jesus Christ and he went through a whole lot just to make that blood available unto you and so I, I'm reminded here of of parents when they when they have children in the house or grandchildren in the house you know you 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 you, you live in your mama's house and you grow up and you become an adult and then every now and then you know you you you, 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 you found a young lady and you was kind of sweet on her 
And maybe you took her out for ice cream and bought her a Coca-Cola and a pack of bubble gum or something. And then y'all had a good little date. And then and then next thing you know, you wanted to take her out on date number two. And girlfriend said yes. And then next thing you know, you went on a few more dates and you was you were all the way in love. Ain't that something? And the same thing happened with you, Deacon Evans. You had to coat that, you had to coat her real good, didn't you? Yeah. And you probably walked up to her and said, girl, you, you ever you ever dated a bus driver? You know. And, and, and she was like, oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> and next thing you knew, y'all was going out to eat, having a good time. And before you knew it, children started coming to the union. And, and then, but, but, but you got children and, then, and you got to take care of them, right? And so, so you're going to get up and you're going to buy work clothes and you're going to uh, put gas in your car, right? And then, or, or in the big rig or in the truck and you got to do that. And then, and then, and then you, and then you hit the road going to work and you may work an eight to five or a nine to five. Every now and then you got to pull a double or you might have to pull a split shift and work 12 hours, but you got to work, right? And then you're sweating and you're tired and, and then every now and then you check clear and then you get what you need but then you got to pay bill you got to pay the light bill and you got to pay the gas bill and you got to you got to put food on the table and you got to pay the car note and the car insurance every now and then you get to spend you get to buy something valuable and treat yourself you know you might want to buy you a new suit or a new car or a new sound system or something you want to spend money on something using the money that you earn with your blood sweat and tears so you can buy something for yourself you know and then um, but what happens as soon as you buy that very very expensive thing it seems like the more expensive the thing is the more the kids want to tear it up my god and, 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 and my daddy told me uh, before he started having children, he used to have oil and he collect whatnots and glass whatnots. He said, the first thing I did when I started crawling was went there and pulled the sheet and knocked all the whatnots on the ground and broke all of them. He said he didn't, he, he said he quit buying them because he, he, he got tired of spending his hard-earned money on that stuff. And, and, you, and you're spending your money to buy expensive things. And what's the first thing that you're going to tell your kids? Don't play around this stuff because you might break it. It's what? It's expensive, and you don't want them handling your glass vase because this is expensive. I paid good money for this, and, and, and you don't want the you ain't gonna give your brand new Lamborghini to your 13 year old son and let him run across town. Then because this costs good money, and you paid for it, and you're not sure that they know how to handle the things that you paid your hard money on, and that's the same kind of mind frame that Jesus takes when he's dealing with the devil. He lets him know, you better mind how you come bothering my children because I paid good money for them, and you can't handle them any kind of way. Yeah, yeah. And God's saying the same thing to the saints. He said, you better mind how you treat the saints. You better mind how you treat your brother. You better mind how you treat your sister because the Bible lets me know that Jesus paid good money for us and we're valuable. As a matter of fact, he says that Paul says we have a treasure in earthen vessels that God paid good. You, can, you, you can't talk crazy about me. God paid good money for me. You can't treat me any kind of way. God paid good money for me. Somebody ought to just, just touch, look to your neighbor and say, I, I, I don't come cheap now. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus paid good money for me. I'm not I'm expensive and yeah, I don't come cheap now. And, and, and if you ever really want to know how valuable you are, don't ask your bank account. You want to know how valuable you are, don't ask your checkbook. You want to ask how valuable you are, don't look to your socioeconomic status. But if you ever really want to know how valuable you are, look no further than the blood. Because the blood lets you know every, the pains, the lengths that Jesus went through just to 
by you just so that you could stand up in the sanctuary and lift up holy hands and live a sanctified and a righteous life that's pleasing unto him. Now, are you with me this morning live in Stone, Columbia? Yeah. Yeah. Well, God paid. God paid good money for you, Deacon Zimmerman. That's, that's why he keeps on healing you because you are his investment. He made that's why That's why he keeps on coming through for you. That's why he keeps on coming through in the clutch. That's why, that's why he keeps on waking you up every morning. That's why he keeps on giving you the strength to go out and obtain wealth. That's why he keeps you while you're out on that road driving that truck, making it back home safely every day because his blood is an investment in you that, lets, that establishes the value of what you are worth. What you are worth more than silver. You are worth more than gold. You are worth more than pain. You are worth more than hurt. You are worth more than disappointment. You are worth more than sickness and illness. I am worth exactly what the blood says I am worth. Ah, hallelujah. I'm so glad. I had no value before the blood. I wasn't worth nothing before the blood, but I, I, I can stick my chest out and walk a little high now and get a little, I'm, I'm happy. And I'm not boasting in myself, but my soul's got to make her boast in the Lord. Hallelujah. And so the pain of sin and death immediately attached itself to me. And put into perpetual motion the ravages of death, each day drawing me closer to my eternal demise. Because the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. And when sin is finished, it conceived, and sin is finished, it brings forth death. And there's nothing that could change that. There's nothing on earth, no earthly element that could deal with that, my God. Even my own will separated from God would be owned by my greatest enemy to disseminate deceit and to seal my own fate. When, without the blood, when left to my own devices, I'll kill myself. When left to my own thoughts, I'm always going to make the wrong decisions. For the Bible declares that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death and destruction. For the Bible will go on to say that it is not within a man to order his own steps. You don't know which way to go. And maybe somebody will tell you to just follow your heart, sister. Just follow your heart, brother. Baby, you bet not. Because Jeremiah already told you that the heart is deceitful above all and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you see the position that sin has put you in? You so desperately needed someone to get you out of that situation. But you couldn't think your way out. Elsewise, college would have saved you. You couldn't. You couldn't run your way out. Elsewise, athleticism would have saved you. You couldn't. You 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 couldn't eat your way out. Elsewise, food could save you. The only thing that could get you out was a price that needed to be paid. You had to be bought out. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And there's only one type of currency that God would accept and that is blood. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus Christ. And apart from the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I was doomed. Somebody shout doomed. Yeah, that's what you are. You are doomed apart from the blood. And, but God, in Romans 5 and 8, the Bible says, but God demonstrated his own love for me and that while I was a sinner, while I was yet a sinner, how many of you rejoice that Jesus didn't tell you to fix yourself before he could fix you, but he found you in the mess that you were in and said, bring your little dirty self over here. Bring your little lying 
fornicating self over here. Bring your little fornicating tail over here. The world has cast you out. Even some church folk have cast you out. But he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I hear God saying that if I didn't have plans for you, I wouldn't have let you come. I wouldn't have let you be born if I didn't have a will for you. But I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of thoughts to prosper you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, and to give you an expected him. Hallelujah, Lord. I want to let you know this morning is that the sign, the stamp, the seal of approval of the plans of God on your life is a contract that has been signed and not written in ink, but it has been signed and written in blood. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus Christ. Praise the name of our God. Uh, the Bible lets us know that uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. And so now, due to his death and his blood being shed, uh, my biggest problem has now been solved. Uh, but we, when we read in Hebrews chapter 9 in our text this morning, uh, we, we find out that the problem was not solved overnight, Deacon Zimmerman. The problem was we didn't just snap our fingers one day and the problem was gone. No, 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 no. This was not supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. This was not abracadabra. This wasn't no David Copperfield kind of stuff. This wasn't, uh, this, this wasn't like that at all. But what was going on here was a process was put in place so that it could help you see the, the, how, the, 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 how great the problem was. So Hebrews 9 immediately opens up with the intensity of the problem. Uh, I, I, I want to help you all understand here how big the mess is that sin had put in the earth. Uh, sin introduced death into the earth. Sin introduced murder into the earth. Sin introduced stealing and thieving and robbery and trickery into the earth. Sin introduced lying into the earth. Sin introduced pointing the blame and shifting the buck into the earth. And by the time we reach the place where God has to institute a plan, a redemptive plan, Oh, my God, the people of God are out of whack. Something's wrong with God's people. And you find in the law, God saying stuff to them that they should already know that just seems crazy. Look how great a problem, how great a mess sin has created. Moses had to tell the people of God, don't lie with dogs. Don't lie with cattle. Why you got to tell me that? I should already know that, shouldn't I? Look how, let me let you all know something right now. When you play with sin, that's how far it'll take you. Sin has no limits to how far it will take you. Sin wants you removed from God. Sin wants you distanced from God. And apart from the blood, uh, you had nothing to take you out of that perpetual mind state. Uh, and so the mess is so great here. And now if you ever really want to see how great a mess is, uh, you don't have to always look at the mess. Uh, look at the cleanup. My God. Uh, I was living in Birmingham in 2011, and in one day, around 70 tornadoes touched down in the state of Alabama in one day. I remember staying at my grandmother's house with my cousin, and we were in Hueytown, Alabama, right next to a small town called Pleasant Grove. And my God, we were, we were there, we saw the sky get black, and we can hear the sound of what sounded like a freight train off in the distance. We could hear the wind blowing, a whole brick giant 
giant branch or wind blew the wind blew it off a tree in my grandmother's backyard. We could hear the lightning. We could see the lightning flashing and hear it cracking and hear the thunder rolling. And this went on for a few minutes. And all of a sudden, saints of God, everything got real quiet and peaceful. But it was soon overcome by the sound of the rush of siren after siren after siren after siren. And we could look over in the clearing and see the street on the other side of my grandmother's house. And we saw police car after police car, squad car after squad car, EMS ambulance after ambulance, ambulance after ambulance. And we could also see the fire trucks headed that way. I didn't know what damage they were headed to, but based on the cleanup, I could tell that it was a really big mess going on over there. And I want to let you know that God instituted a great process to try and clean up the mess of sin that the people of God were in. And you can look at the work uh, that the priest had to do in the tabernacle in order to see the process of cleanup. Because the Bible lets us know in Hebrews chapter 10 that the priest, Deacon Zimmerman, would offer sacrifices in the temple every single day. But these sacrifices could not take away sins. What are you saying, Paul? I'm saying that it could sweep, but it couldn't sweep it away. It could mop, but it couldn't clean it up. It wouldn't get rid of it. Because the fact that I'm keep, I keep having to make sacrifice for sins is evidence that I'm still sinful. The fact that I'm still repenting is evidence that I can't get rid of it. The fact that the priests are going into the temple making sacrifice day in and day out is letting us know, my God, that there is a great mess. And so even apart from this tabernacle plan of sacrifice, the prophet spent a lot of time trying to play cleanup because we see that Moses tells them, for God says, I am holy, be ye holy, for I am holy. Moses is trying to preach and help them clean the mess up, but they don't want to be cleaned because they don't have it in their heart to do so because nothing has bought them out of slavery yet. So they're always going to do what the slave master tells them to do. My God, ye are of your father, the devil is the way Jesus would say it. And whatever he tells you to do, that's what you're going to do. My God, in the name of Jesus. And other prophets would come along to try to clean up the mess. But every one of them were insufficient to clean it. It sounds like this mess is so great that there's only one kind of cleaner that can come along and clean up this mess. And I know who that great cleaner is. Because the Bible lets us know the sacrifices of the Old Testament could not take away sins. But the moment that John sees Jesus, he says, behold the Lamb of God that takes it away, takes away the sins of the world. Uh, this the one that's going to clean it. This the one that's going to clean you. This the one that's going to wash you. This the one that's going to buy you. I'm so glad that when Jesus bought you out of sin, he didn't leave you dirty, but he grabbed you and said, come here, boy. If you stay with me, I'll wash you. If you stay with me, I'll buff you a little bit. If you stay with me, I'll shine you up a little bit. I bought you over here to clean you up. I bought you over here to get you right. Uh, but 
Jesus, what about what I said? Shut up and let me clean you. But Jesus, what about what I did? Shut up, man. I came to clean you. But Jesus, I've hurt so many people. But Jesus, I've done so much wrong. His only question is, will thou be made whole? Oh, my God, in the name of Jesus, Jesus comes along and he begins to clean us up here. And so as we look here in Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible begins to talk about the first covenant. Hallelujah. And when we hear the word covenant, you should think of the word contract. Because what happens here is that God enters into a covenant, a contract with his people. And under this covenant, he says, if the priests do their job, then on the day of atonement, your sins will be, will be handled for the year. I'll go ahead and I'll make sure that the priest will come in and he's got to, he's got to go to the brazen altar of sacrifice and make the sacrifice required for your sins. And then he's got to get blood from that sacrifice. He's got to hit the brazen laver and wash himself. He's got to go into the first curtain and he's got to hit the candlestick and he's got to hit the table of showbread with the 12 loaves of bread on it and two rows of six and then he's got to do work in there and, and then what else he has to do? He has to go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant in order for you to have your sins atoned for. This is part of the contract. This is part of the covenant and what I want you all to do I want you to rehearse the word I want you to remember and learn what I told you I want you to know that hero Israel the Lord our God is one Lord I want you to know that that you always need to tell your children I'm the one that brought you up out of Egypt when your children look in your house and wonder daddy why do we have somewhere to sleep God gave us this why do we have food in the refrigerator God gave us this why do we have cars to drive in God gave us this. Talk about it when you lie down and when you rise up and when you walk by the way. That's all I ask of you, my God. But the problem here still is that even with all that, the covenant did not take away sin. And so this constantly puts more distance between God and man. And it's interesting here that the one thing that can separate you from God, that constantly prevents you from getting help, is separating you from the one God that can help you. God's the only one that can help you, but sin keeps on separating you from him. That's why I'm so glad that he didn't wait for me to come to him. He came to me. Hallelujah. And the Bible lets me know that he drew me. And he drew me with loving kindness. He was good to me when I wasn't good to him. He loved me when I didn't love him. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. Hallelujah. And so lest you forget here that in your flesh dwelleth no good thing. The will to do the right thing can be there but there's no power to do it and so this old system somebody say it's got to go it's got to go the old system got to go but because the system ain't 
working in the ultimate issue. So sometimes it's just good to get rid of some things that ain't working. My God, why are you still doing stuff that way? It ain't working no more. Why are you still doing that? Why are you still having that same argument? All y'all do, y'all, every time y'all talk about it, y'all hate each other. Find a different way to talk about it. Why? Every time you talk about it, you're ready to fight. You want to put them out the house, go somewhere. I'm sick of you. Why are you still doing the same old stuff the same old way? Sometimes it's just good to get rid of some stuff that just ain't working. Oh, my God. Are you with me, Lively Stone? Yeah, yeah. But however, this system that's in place, this sacrificial system, it cannot, you can't just throw it away because it's got to be, in the contract declares that it's got to be fulfilled, my God. And so how you fulfill it on the Day of Atonement is with the right kind of sacrifice. Exodus chapter 12 lets us know that the lamb has to be a lamb without any spot or blemish. And so Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12 lets us know that the blood of goats and calves could not do it. Hallelujah. But he also says here that if the blood of calves and goats can sanctify men and instruments under the old covenant, if that can happen with blood with goats and calves, then how much more can Jesus purify your mind? If, if, if the blood of a goat can sanctify an instrument, let me tell you something. The blood of the only sinless man that ever lived, who is God in the flesh, certainly can clean you. And so my understanding here now, saints of God, is that we've got to get out of the contract. And now they taught me this in law school, that basically there are four basic ways to get out of a contract. My God. The first way is what we call unconscionability. It means that the, con the contract is so grossly unfair and one-sided. Yeah. It means that Deacon Zimmerman and I entered into a contract to do something. And but, 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 but I'm the only one working. I'm the only one giving up something. I'm the only one giving the contract says you got to bring all the money. You got to bring all the effort. You got to bring all the supplies. You, as a matter of fact, you got to give me money when you show up. And as a matter of fact, when you show up, you, get, you can't show up mad. You got to smile whenever I see you. And he's going to do absolutely nothing because that contract is so one-sided. The law says I can get out of that contract. But can we, can we say that our contract with God, can the people in the Old Testament say that their contract with God was one-sided? No. Can they say that they're doing more than God is required to do? I can make the argument that God's the one doing all the work and they wasn't hardly doing nothing. God brings the strength. He brings the protection. He brings the power. He brings the favor. If anyone should have a right to get out of the covenant, it should be God. It should not be us. Uh, so, so I will make the, the argument that the contract is unfair fails. Or the next one could say, another way to get out of a contract is to say that there is what we call an anticipatory breach. And what that means is one party just quits showing up. Yeah. I can look down the road and tell Deacon Zimmerman ain't coming. He told me he's going to come cut my grass. He, done, he said he's going to come cut my grass on Monday. Why he on Facebook in Hawaii on a vacation? He's supposed to be cutting my grass Monday. I can get out of the contract because I can say based on the way he's acting, he has no intentions of fulfilling his part of the contract. Well, how many of us can say that God has no intentions of fulfilling his part of the agreement? 
I'm so glad that when I didn't do my part, he still did his part. I'm so glad when I wasn't worthy and deserving for him to wake me up in the morning, he still did it. Still got me to work safely. Didn't let corona kill me. Didn't let disease take me out. Wouldn't let it come now my dwelling. When I didn't pray like I should have. When I didn't fast when he told me. The Bible lets me know that he's faithful. That's why I love that hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, and thy compassions, they fail not. And as thou hast been, forever thou will be great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Somebody praise God for him being faithful. And then the other one is here. The third way to get out of the contract is a flat-out breach. Yeah. The other party just says, forget you. I'm just going, I ain't doing nothing else for you. How many of you, you know that the only person that's giving up is us? We're the only party that quits, but God don't quit on us. And then the last way to get out of the contract is to call, is to, if you enter into the contract by fraud. But how many of us are going to call God a fraud? My Lord. I don't think I'm that bold, huh? Hallelujah. No, 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 no. I need, he, is, he has never defrauded me. Jesus has not failed me yet. When he does, I'll let you know. But don't wait on that phone call. Don't sit up all night looking for that text because it ain't going to happen. And so the only way to get out of this contract is for it to be fulfilled. No wonder Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 17, think that I am not, think that not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. And so in order now, we got to understand this here. The Bible says now in Hebrews 9, for this cause Jesus became the mediator of the new covenant. He is not mediating between two parties. He's mediating on behalf of a new contract. And under this new contract, Jeremiah lets my God, God uses Jeremiah to write out the terms of that contract. And that contract simply says this. He says, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Here comes the contract, saints, and with the house of Judah, not according to the contract or the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day, which I took them out of Egypt. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God. And they shall be my people, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. How many of you are so glad that he forgot about it? Hallelujah. He ain't worried about what you, the Bible says. If God were to mock our iniquity, who could stand before him? If every time I came to Jesus, he had a laundry 
laundry list of my mistakes, I'd never be able to pray. But thanks be to the blood, the Bible says now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. And so now the new Jesus is the mediator of the covenant. But the Bible says that in order to get out of the last covenant, in order to get out of that will, the person who wrote the will has to die. My God. But the Bible declares in the Old Testament that God says he lifts up his hands to heaven and says, I live forever. So how does a God who lives forever that made me an agreement that can only, how can he fulfill it if the only way he fulfills it is if he dies? That's the only way I can get the will. If you write me a will, put me in your will, Deke, I can't get it while you're alive. You've got to die in order for me to get it. And so the promises of this will here, I've got to get a hold of it. But God cannot die. That's why I'm so glad Isaiah 26 and 19 says that your dead men shall live together with me with my dead body. And my question is, when did God have a body that died? No wonder the Bible declares to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. No wonder the Bible declares that the word was made flesh. Why was it made flesh? Because he's got to die so I can get what's in the will. Oh my God in the name of Jesus because what's in what's going to make the will available to me is the blood that's in that man. I got to get the blood about him now. I got to get, because I, not only, hallelujah, does he have to die, but he's got to leave money that will buy me out of the old agreement. Hallelujah. And so ain't God, ain't God all right. No wonder angels, no wonder heaven and earth adore him. No wonder angels bow before him. What a mighty God we serve. And so he comes in the flesh, so I can get out of him what's in him so what I so I can get what's in the new contract. So anybody thank God for that new contract? Ah, I ain't got to die under this one because when I, whosoever believes in him shall never die. I ain't got to sin under this one because he gave me power over sin. I don't got to be afraid of the devil or afraid of death because precious in the eyes of the Lord are the deaths of his saints. And the only reason why this stuff is available is because of the blood of Jesus. And so now the problem here now that we run into is we've got to have proof that he died. And so the blood serves as proof that he died just like he said he would. Hallelujah, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And so now we come to the place here that the Bible lets us know in Hebrews 9 and 21 that this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled the blood both with the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Without the shedding of blood, there is no removal. What took, you know why your sins are gone? Because the blood washed them away. You know why you don't deal with the guilt of it? Because the blood has cleaned your conscience. You want to know why? you are covered you want to know why you got the power somebody say nothing but the blood 
Hallelujah to God in the name of Jesus. I'm almost done here. I'm going to get out y'all's way. But I want to let the saints here know that if it had not been for the blood, where would you be? When I read the stories in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John of everything that Jesus went through, I hate that. They had to be whipped with the cat of nine tails. But how else was he going to bleed? I hate that they had to pluck his beard out of his face. But how else was he going to bleed? I hate that they had to put the crown of thorns on his head. But saints of God, how else was he going to bleed? I hate that they had to punch him in his face. But and so that he would be bruised. But the Bible declared that he had to be bruised for our iniquity. My God, in the name of Jesus, I hate that they had to put the nails in his hand. But how else was he going to bleed? I hate that they had to put the nails in his feet. But how else was he going to bleed? I don't know what I did to make him love me so much. I don't know what he, what I did to make him care the way that he did. I heard a songwriter declare, I don't know why Jesus loves me. I don't know why he cares. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. I'm so glad that he did. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. And so when I come to church, when I do things for the Lord... I ain't coming to show off. I ain't coming for no show, shape, form, or fashion. I'm coming because they told me that the bloods in the church are this just in. Hot news fresh off the press. The blood still works. There's still healing in the blood. There's power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. There's still blood in the church. There's still blood in the choir. There's still blood in the preacher. There's still blood in the instruments. There's still blood in the hands. There's still blood in our voices. There's still blood on our heads. There's still blood in our feet. Leap because the blood still works. I'm so glad that the blood still works. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where for cleansing of sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. There to my heart was the blood applied. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. The blood still works. Glory to his name. The blood still heals. Glory to his name. The blood still works. Glory. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. If you know that it was nothing but the blood, have you ever been driving in your car and it began to skid out of control and you threw your hands up and said the blood of Jesus and the car corrected itself? Have you ever been sick unto the point of death and you laid hands on yourself and said, I plead the blood of Jesus? Has the devil been trying to tear your home apart? I dare you to walk up and down in your house and open up your mouth and say, I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood over every bedroom, the blood over every TV, the blood over every door, the blood over my yard, the blood over my car, the blood over my husband, the blood over my wife, the blood over my brothers, the blood over my sisters, nothing but the blood. Amen and amen. We hope that you have received something valuable from this message. We want to thank you for your time and support. God loves you and so do we. Have a blessed and fantastic week. Thank you and amen.